I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, almost a week has passed and I was getting over my misery of the Derby loss at the weekend, but I'm going to drag up those feelings of last Sunday because we have to look at them in a little bit more in depth. But that does bring up good feelings because I'm joined on the line by Alan Morrison, as usual, and Jico James as well. Guys, how are we? Yeah, good, thanks. Hang on there. Thank you. Good to see you guys. Sleeping a wee bit better now, later on in the week? Uh, you know, depends on the night. Still night terrors here and there. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I think the Derby at the weekend was disappointing. But as you look at it in more depth and even in the bigger picture of things, to be 2-2 in terms of the derbies throughout the, the year so far, to be top of the table... Cup semi-finals, as we mentioned before, semi-finals are almost completely different to any other games that you're going to play. And it's hard to read too much into them. But James, the manner of the defeat would be slightly worrying if you're looking at it from an overall game plan perspective in the sense of not having any other plan when the midfield failed. Yeah, I'd say that the most concerning aspect of it was uh, kind of what we talked about heading into it, which was the continuation of competing at that level and having some issues with in that regard. Um, and I think there there is a kind of a, um, a linking narrative between the last three derbies um, relative to uh, facing a, a GVB uh, iteration of, of Rangers is – you know, Ange talks a lot about us playing our style and imposing our will on the opposition. And I think there's a pretty decent argument argument to be made that that has not been the case in large chunks of all three of those games and probably at an increasing rate. <laughs> so it was more so evident in the first one, um, although not, I would say, in a dominant way. Um, and then it's really kind of slid to the point where I don't think we really controlled that game much. Um, there were some small chunks, you know, particularly after the subs of, of uh, O'Reilly and Kyogo in the second half. But 
Uh, and there's, you know, extenuating circumstances, the injuries, the guys coming off that debacle of a back four um, at the end. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think that that's probably the most concerning thing. Um, but you're right. I mean, when, when you step back from 30,000 feet um, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's not uh, the type of thing that you would say, okay, it's like season altering. Um, obviously disappointing. Uh, we'll get onto it maybe at the end why I probably have some other concerns heading into the last five games that I didn't have, or I shouldn't say I didn't have, weren't as amplified as they are now uh, when we get to the Ross County uh, at the end of the show. But um, so, yeah, I, I, that's my biggest disappointment is it was kind of a realization of some of these trends that I've been worried about um, over the last few months. Alan, it was very much a almost come down to earth time for Celtic in certain aspects in terms of even the squad depth. When we look at, you know, Jack Amakis was out injured for this. Kyogo clearly wasn't fully fit coming off the bench. Then at fullback, the impact that our fullbacks getting injured had on the overall game, James Forrest and where he's at with his career. This is and has been a rebuild all season. But we very much saw there that the rebuild does have to continue regardless of what we think about. You know, Ralston's season, clearly a brilliant season, but we still need to build on him. Greg Taylor improving, but still need to improve on that. And when we take the links out of the chain, so to speak, we need to be replacing them with the identical part. Mm. Yeah, I mean, in some respects, there were no surprises in that the things that didn't go well are things that We've seen not go well, and, and, and under stress of, a, you know, a better opponent and a, a you know high pressure occasion is more likely that these things that don't go well will manifest. So, what what they actually did was what we've talked about quite a lot in terms of increasingly teams are going to do and what Ross County will do on on Sunday is they targeted Celtic's left flank with long balls. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it wasn't uh, kind of very original in that sense, but obviously they've got better players. Um, you know, they were piling balls over and onto Greg Taylor uh, and Starfelt. Starfelt actually had a pretty pretty good game, to be fair. Um, Taylor, I think, was struggling under the pressure he was being put under, certainly in the first half. Um, and you know, it was playing for long balls, playing for free kicks, playing for set plays. It's it what we see actually, uh, all, all the other SPFL clubs do. Um, but as I say, implemented with better players, I think they were they were able to exert more control than obviously those clubs can do. Um, what was interesting for me is that some of some of the Rangers' attacking data, and I'm talking about volume stats here, in terms of possessions in the box. Number of total number of shots, packing score, those kind of attacking type numbers, we've only really seen those against Leverkusen and Betis, but in ninety minutes, not one hundred and twenty. So, so they were matching. Those those are two very good sides, and they were matching them with when they were given an extra thirty minutes, which is probably kind of where they they probably are in in European terms. But it was like playing a, it was like playing. Guess what? It was like playing a pretty decent Europa League side. Um, and as I say, they, they they worked hard to stress Celtic where where other others have seen weaknesses already, and uh, what was I think disappointing and a little bit surprising 
was that virtually none of the attacking players was able to impose themselves on the game in any meaningful way. You know, when you've got five attacking players or six as, as South, well, arguably, if you take away the two centre-backs, you could argue everyone else is kind of uh, fairly attacking or can be. Um, normally, two or three might have an average game and you can kind of compensate for that in most league matches. But when every single attacking player fails to impose themselves on the game, then, you know, you're going to struggle. And, and some of Celtic's attacking um, output was, was was really poor in terms of wastefulness. I mean, the the shot accuracy was 10%, which is the worst of the season. You know, in terms of just getting shots on target, that's the worst we've had. Our passing accuracy, 79%, was the worst of the season. So, you know, fair play. They, they probably contributed to making us play badly in, in relative terms. But having said all that, when it came down to it, it was just a very, very, very close game. And mm. had and had Carter Vickers, for example, scored, those stands would have emptied quicker than James's bowels after some dodgy chicken wings. And, and that's how that's how narrow the margins were before before we even get into some of the decisions that were made. Mm. And, and, and yeah, well, we we've spoken before on this podcast about Celtic and. Uh, luck and how that plays a role in things and positive and negative variance and how Celtic have been getting a, a good bit of positive variance this year but have, have probably earned that over the course of the season in terms of how well they've been playing this is one of the games where it just didn't go for it, it just wasn't clicking for them uh, decisions weren't going for them potentially had a penalty from a handball that would, would have been given another day Carter Vickers puts that ball into the net instead of hitting the crossbar, these are just tiny little things and I guess that's what Instead of trying to explain away the loss, I think that's what Ange Bostokogli was saying after the game when he said it was just a typical semi-final. You know, players were nervous. Sometimes that pass that would normally go to feet doesn't go to feet. Uh, things didn't go their way. Decisions didn't go their way. And ultimately, if you don't play as well as you can against a team that's the same or nearly the same standard as you, the likelihood is you're probably going to lose that game over, over 90 to 120 yeah. minutes. And that's that's basically what happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not sitting here excusing or or saying we did we played well. What I'm, I guess, what I'm coming from is all I heard and read. You know, after the final whistle was Celtic were abysmal, and the Rangers were brilliant, mm. and neither of those things were true. And equally, had those tiny margins gone the other way, Celtic were not brilliant, and they weren't abysmal. Mm. You know, really. But but yeah, it came down to an extra time. Two, two decisions where if we were in England and using English VAR protocols, the Barisic handball is a penalty and the, uh, the the winning goal is offside by a tiny, you know, ball hair kind of thing. Now, I, didn't, I, I, don't, I don't blame the officials for getting those two, missing those two calls because in real time, it was almost impossible to tell with either of them. And, that, 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 and them's the breaks, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the refereeing conversation is a whole different conversation in, in the round, but those two key decisions, those big decisions, I, I don't blame the, the officials for not getting those. They'd been almost impossible to have, uh, to have spotted them, but they didn't go Celtic's way on the day, and Celtic didn't play well enough to make the talent deficit count you know, uh, in, in their favour. And that you know, that, and that's 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 what we need to reflect on, and what Ange needs to reflect on. Mm-hmm. James, you wanted to come in there, did you? Yeah, I, I, I think actually, I think it was uh, fairly poorly played by both teams. 
meaning that if you if you just I think two players encapsulated it for both. You know, I went in saying that uh, uh, McGregor and Hart kind of encapsulated the two sides the seasons. And coming out of the game, I thought uh, Jota and Kent encapsulated both teams, meaning that two incredibly talented, uh, gifted, athletic wingers whose decision making is just abominable. And we've talked about this. A, a, a lot with Jota over the season. I think Kent in general follows that same kind of um, deficit, meaning that just, you know, significant opportunities in space where it's wasteful. And and I think uh, both sides had um, opportunities, uh, particularly in the first half, where, you know, if better decisions are made in the final third, um you know, Ramsey too. I mean, Ramsey was again just horribly wasteful and not really productive in attack the attacking third for them prior to him um, going off. So I actually thought both teams in the final third played quite poorly. Um, and yeah, the the variance on. I mean, I joke it's you know the Bobby Madden experience. Um, I forget which game it was, but I watched a game earlier in the season. I don't even remember who the teams were. It might have been like Aberdeen, Dundee, United or something, and he was the official. And, it, you know, the first half was an absolute debacle. So this is him. Like, it, it's – it's he's just – he allows um, way too much physicality in the first half, does not book people early. I mean, you basically have to almost stab someone <laughs> uh, early in a game – uh, to, 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 to get a, a card and, um, you know, the, and again, his, it probably nudged in our, I mean, a deficit in our direction, but, you know, there were plenty of bad calls in, in our favor too. I mean, McGregor probably should have had a yellow two minutes in, um, you know, well, there was uh, two, uh, James, there was two, actually, there was, there was arguably that one. Um, and then uh, you know um, Maeda came from an offside position to set. Well, that's up I was going to say that one. Attack. Okay, there's the, two. The, Literally, there's two. Well, I, the, I, fa- I, the, I, the foul that preceded the goal was not a foul. Oh, well, uh, I mean, it, that, Carter Vickers was off balance and basically fell over with a nudge. Yeah, I think Again, I think that's time, always I think that's with, always given though. If that, you if you lean if you if you lean into a player with an arm, it's, it's generally given. It's it's yeah, well, again yeah. I, I, so, within so, the so, context yeah. of how this guy officiated the game. Hmm. You know, that was basically someone breathing on someone and was was given a foul where other times, I mean, so that's more my point. When you when you nudge things on the margins with a guy who's this erratic, um, you know, again, on another day, I could have seen this guy give uh, a Rebo a penalty on the header that he had that Carter Vickers did not get the ball and hit into a Rebo. Right. And it did put him off the shot. Now, is that a foul? I don't know. But it's Bobby Madden. Would it have shocked everyone if he would have given that as a penalty? I wouldn't have shocked me. So, you know, I mean, there's so many with this guy being so erratic. um, And I I agree. It it probably shaded uh, in our deficit uh, the way the game was played. Now, the other thing I would say is that, again, anyone who's watched him officiate games knows that he's not going to call this stuff early in the game. And whether it was intentional or not, Rangers went in roughing people up. And to their to their benefit, um, and that seemed to be a game plan. And again, mm. if I was strategizing to compete in a game where Bobby Madden is their official, independent of the Rangers Celtic thing, and I have a creative midfield opponent, guess what I would be doing? <laughs> I'd be roughing them well, up. 
I mean, that's that's what I said pre-show or in the preview show for this game was that Rangers should play like Atletico Madrid, just try and yeah, you, you nailed know, it on. You nailed it on Monday, and I thought yeah. you nailed it in your your, your uh, video on Monday. I mean, it was just um, you know predictably so that they mm. they took advantage of the way a guy calls a game and. Um, you know. I mean, that's that's the whole point. I don't think any of us are sitting here saying that Bobby Mann won the game for Rangers. What we're saying is referees can influence a game. And, and he's he just did a terrible official. That, and he's, he's terrible. Yeah, he's a terrible referee. So he impacted the game. A couple of bad decisions here and there. A couple of uh, bad performances from Celtic. Um, can we talk about Tom Rogic, Alan? Because I, I know you would have uh, looked at his... Uh, output in this game with the context of what we're talking about with Bobby Madden here with how Rogic likes to play on the half turn with being pulled out of it all the time with the ball Celtic weren't really playing a game plan that suited Tom Rogic at, at all they were going long quite a bit trying to get in behind so how bad is Tom Rogic's performance with all that in mind well bad in the set in the sense of just not being able to get on the ball <laughs> so just absent mm. really um, I mean, he did actually create a couple of chances, um, but you know, he he made he only made three, three um, kind of line breaking passes, three pack passes, um, only completed one really meaningful dribble, and only received the ball three times. Now, normally Carter Vickers would be finding him three times on his own each half, <laughs> in, on average. So to only receive you know three pack passes in in a game. Um, was the lowest of any of the forward players actually, um, so he was he was utterly neutered uh, in that sense. I mean, his his packing score overall was only um, the only person whose whose score was lower was Maeda. And Maeda's very rarely on the ball, so he he was essentially completely neutralised uh, by uh, by his marker. Um, so yeah, couldn't get couldn't get in the game at all. And of course, when he did get on the ball. He was he was fouled, <laughs> or not? <laughs> <laughs> so, or, or yeah. he was doing the fouling, even though he's the one getting pulled. Yeah. Just by the way, the just for those listening, um, so the the Yorkshire Whistler is going to, is watching going to watch, for the first time ever is going to watch the whole game. So abysmal was that refereeing performance. I said, you've got to watch the whole game. I didn't. I didn't. I just said to him. Pundits, because the pundits on on Premier Sports use the word shambolic and embarrassing. So I said, "This is what the pundits have said." I'm 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 not directing him or sending him in any direction. He can read the match reports himself if he wants. I just said, "Would you mind assessing the whole performance?" Now, obviously, it's mm-hmm. 120 minutes, and you know, so he's 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 going to do that. He's in the middle of it actually. So I'll, I'll write that up when when I get it. But I'll be fascinated to see see how that comes mm-hmm. out. <laughs> Because he's well, really was, he's re- he's really fair, and if if he's in any yeah. doubt, he'll he'll find justification for why the referee made that call, right? Which mm. is okay. That's fair enough. He's an expert. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I I was livid watching it live, and then I rewatched it. <laughs> I I was just more flabbergasted than anything that John Lundstrom, in particular, didn't get booked. And this is the final thing I'll say on how it impacts the game. So Bassey had four fouls uh, in the <laughs> game prior to extra time he obviously has a key role to play in rangers winning this game if he is booked before that and he should have been booked around the 45th maybe even the the if you're being generous the 60th minute mark if he's booked 
there's a chance that he doesn't stay on the pitch in, in terms of what Giovanni van Bronckhorst does. John Lundstrom, the same. Huge, huge impact on the game. And if he's booked early on, he may not uh, stay on for the, 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 the period in which he does. But that's the last thing I'll say on that. In terms of anything else that went wrong, what did you see uh, in this game? Yeah, I mean, to Alan's point, it's kind of, um, you know, we want, I, I think we went long a lot because we, because their scheme was effective in taking away the guys in the half space. So Rogic in particular, um, we didn't really have a, um, an out ball to a striker for the most part um, until Kyogo came on. Uh, that was one thing that I, I finished rewatch. I watched the first half yesterday and the second half this morning. And that's that's a narrative that seems to have come out of the game that, upon rewatch, I thought was kind of crazy. Is I actually thought Kyogo was really good. Um, he played really well, actually, in my rewatch. Anyway, uh, I mean, he, he was dropping in, he was receiving the ball central and building up play. Uh, again, once uh, O'Reilly was making himself available um, and, and getting into some of those pockets of space that for for uh for whatever reason Rogic wasn't able to do um but it was build up play you know our back four slash five with heart really not being able to uh with, with them man marking hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. McGregor with Arebo. You know, th- those were the two things. Arebo on McGregor and Bassey on Rogic. And that basically decapitated our buildup. <laughs> Um, to the point where we were going along a lot. And, and I think that was, you know, um, basically the story of the game to a large degree. And then the last one, again, whether it was just a continuation of them with a co- sort of so-called cup keeper, or whether they've made a change, is I thought McLaughlin made a big difference in the game um, in uh, helping uh, neutralize our, built, our press a little bit um, and 
you know, coming for crosses and coming for balls out. There was a through ball that Abada had that was just a little overcooked, so to speak, early that uh, Maeda was coming on to. And I mean, McLaughlin was out on that like an attack dog, whereas, you know, maybe McGregor's a step slower or, you know, and that becomes more of a, um, a close play. Uh, so I, I thought the, those were the, you know, kind of just quick um, issues that uh, r- really contributed to the outcome of the game. I thought those were it. Yeah, it was just the the wastefulness of the forwards. I mean, you, you, we can. It's easy to criticise Yota because he was on the ball a lot, as always. And actually, you know, nobody lost the ball in the final third more than he did. He lost it eleven times. Nobody was even close to that. Um, you know, the number of poor decisions. I mean, his, his average xG per shot was like not point not six. <laughs> it was just it was just horrible. Um, and but you know, again, if you look at the total volume in terms of chances created, shots he had the most shots. None of them were on target. <laughs> um, but and his xG and what have you, the the volume was there. Same with Kent actually, but each individual action in in and of itself was probably a poor decision. Whereas Abada and Maeda contributed virtually nothing in an attacking sense. Maeda had one shot. Abada had an XG of, I think, a, 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 might have set up one chance, didn't have any any shots. It was just, they were just completely anonymous, as, as was Rogic. So, you know, to say all that, I think they, they defensively deserve credit for that. It was still a coin flip game, <laughs> even, even even having said all that, which kind of, kind of tells you. One little, one little interesting thing, which I'll kind of leave this game on, which... I know James is going to roll his eyes out because it's like one of these kind of non-data um, sort of things, but I just felt it could have had an impact on the day, which is that the average age of the, their players, if you look at all the players that actually contributed on the day, uh, it was about 28 and a half. And for Celtic, it was just over 25. Um, that's three and a half years a player, more experience on the pitch. Uh, for every single player, um, and even if you take the even if you take the oldest and the youngest out of both sides, uh, it actually widens the gap slightly. Um, now, and, and when we know that, and when we know that Hatati, although he's twenty three years old, has probably got the footballing experience of a twenty year old. So, this was a very inexperienced Celtic team and a, and a pretty, you know, streetwise, I would say, uh, you know, team that they were up against and. I don't. I'm not saying that had an impact over 120 minutes, but I think it might have had an impact in the last 20 or the last period of the game, where I feel that Celtic lost a bit of belief, a little bit of control, a lot of control, really. You know, you might argue they didn't have a lot of control, but actually, if you watch the game back, it, as I say, it was pretty 50-50, and they seemed to just have that little bit more street smarts to close the game out, and 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 that and that experience gap um, may may have had something to do with it, right? Now, mm-hmm. I think over a season, their relatively age top heavy squad uh, and, and Celtic's relatively young, probably fresher squad, um, I think is one of the reasons, is one of the, is, is probably a tiny contribution of that, that to, to why Celtic are actually out in front and is, is a good, and for Celtic are in a stronger squad position over the longer term. But for this game, on that occasion, under those circumstances, that, that experience, if you, if you want to call it that, and Experiences right up there with commitment and dig and you know all infl- all these other sort mm-hmm. of non tangibles. It was just something that that may have had a may have had a bearing. Well, one example or a couple of examples I'll use 
to back that up is Jota a couple of times, Abada and Juranovic all shot from 35 yards out when they were chasing the game. And that's not something they usually do. It's, you know, that's just that little bit of yeah. fear or whatever that is, trying to achieve what you can, trying to get over the line, trying to do what you can to get your team back in the game without just taking that step back, being the, you know, I'll use Rogic as the example, just because he's the one who has the most experience, being that Rogic who takes that extra touch, looks up, picks out the man, you know, plays the ball uh, short, recycles the ball rather than going for the kill. Um, yeah. Because some, sometimes that just comes. Sometimes yeah. that just no, happens, and, and, right? that's, and that's exactly what they were doing, much better than us. I mean, Lundstrom, uh, actually the two substitutes, Davis and, and Arfield, they weren't trying expansive passes. They were, they were just keeping possession and keeping it simple under pressure uh, and, and keeping hold of the ball, drawing fouls, just doing things like that. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Davis is a better player than Jack. So actually, I was really gutted when Davis came on. Uh, Arfield's a big, a big drop down on Aribo in normal circumstances. But fair play to Arfield. I mean, he he played a good game, and as I say, he did the simple things well, and, and just made smart decisions under pressure when the game got to that critical moment, as opposed to the, you know, the examples that that, that you rightly gave. So I just think that had a little, that had a little bit of uh, of an impact on the game. So will we park the the derby, Max Enzo? Is that is that the pain all out? I will game? revisit one uh, concept that I think that was uh, a narrative coming out of the game once we get to the Ross County, which is um, fitness. And I think the surprise that many had that uh, we look like the tired team, maybe the consensus <laughs> was uh, g- given them coming off that game on Thursday. So I'll I'll, I'll park that until we get to the the Ross County, because uh, there's a broader broader thing I want to bring up. Okay, so for podcast listeners and for YouTube watchers, I'm going to put the Derby breakdown up separately on YouTube. So if you want to get the rest of this, it will be available in a, in a separate YouTube video on the Breakdowning channel. You can get that by subscribing to the channel. We're nearly at 5,000 subs, so please get us there uh, by the end of the month. Hopefully we will. Well, so five games to go in the season now. Celtic six points clear. Ross County is up first. We did do a preview and we will be previewing all these games separately to the Huddle Breakdown on the Breakdown YouTube channel. We did it with uh, Tino from the Celtic Exchange. So basically, we're going to be joined by loads of different pods uh, from across the world, Celtic podcasters, to preview all these games separately to the Huddle Breakdown. So if you want to get them, you can uh, subscribe to the channel and you'll get notified when they go live. So we'll start with the Ross County game then. Um, Ross County are unbeaten at home since Celtic beat them with that Anthony Ralston late winner. They are going for Europe. They are a pretty decent side. They're playing better than they were earlier on this season. We did beat them 4-0 at South Park, but Alan, I don't think that's going to be what's happening this weekend. I don't think it's going to be as easy as that game was. Probably won't be as easy. I mean, away from home, slightly tighter pitch, etc., um, difficult, difficult to say. One of the things I was reflecting on today is that I think with um, Scotland, I think is it five places in Europe are up for grabs? Is that right? Have I got that right? I think there might be as many as five European spots to play for. Yeah, so, I think the fifth is a qualifying for Conference League or something, maybe something yeah, like that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, even so, I mean, even yep. one or two ties would be season changing for for a club the size of Ross County. I'm not being patronising when I say that. I mean. You know, if you get a, you get a big away game or extra, you know, get through a round and get some prize money, even you know, it could make a significant difference to 
to to who to players that you can make, you know retain or 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 or, or to get. So um, I, I'm really pleased about that because what I was concerned about was we sometimes you go into the post split and some teams have got really got nothing to play for. Like you know Hearts are essentially marooned. <laughs> See what I did there in in third place. <laughs> And uh, you sort of think, but that, you know, but, but, but and, and and they've got a Scottish Cup final to look, look look forward to. They could be the only exception, really. But there, everyone else has has got a lot to play for. And I actually, I'm encouraged by that because the data so far, based on everyone trying their utmost, is that Celtic are winning, and all the performance data predicts that Celtic should have been winning and will win the league. Um, when you look at all the kind of underlying performance metrics and expected points and projections and so forth, what could subvert that was if you know you play somebody played a team that was a bit off it, wasn't really sort of trying, etc. So, I'm long story short is they'll be giving it everything, and I'm hoping they'll be giving it everything in every game, and therefore it will be a, a tough proposition. Um, so clearly, it won't be an easy game. But having said that, you know the last away game in Dingwall is hardly a representative of what's going to happen. I don't think a Celtic with a front line, a front three of Juranovic, Montgomery, and Abada is really an indication of how of how well or poorly Celtic will play on Sunday. I'm pretty confident of that. So, you know, they are they are punching well above themselves. You've got to give them credit for that. Um, we know what's going to happen. They're going to put you know Jordan White up against Starfelt. They're going to launch balls at them. White White's had a great. Two, two gate two or one and a half games against Starfelt in terms of being able to winning winning flick ons and so forth and they'll have Charles Cook and Hungball running running off of off of that. Um you know we've played this sort of team before. Again we should we should win. Um I'll, I'll be interested to see from our perspective what the um what if any uh, repercussions out of Sunday are from an injury perspective because I think Taylor, Ralston Carter Vickers, Juranovic was probably the most worry, worrisome. All went off with potentially muscle injuries. Um, so now it could have been cramp, or or it might have been nothing, anything too serious. But that that's going to be the biggest. And obviously, three of those are in defense. Four of those are in defensive areas. So um, that could be disruptive. But I'm, I'm actually more concerned that this, the attacking players regain <laughs> regain some of their form than I am about defensively, because again. On Sunday, that Hart, Carter Vickers, Starfelt, McGregor, that core defensive block that we have was were the best four best best players on the on the pitch for Celtic certainly. So mm-hmm. um, I'm more concerned that we get some fluency back into the uh, into the attacking third. Um, whether O'Reilly comes in, uh, I hope he does. Um, whether Hatati gets rested, I don't think he will be. <laughs> I don't think uh, that's Postacoglu's way. Jakimakis coming back would be good. I think the guy's in such good form. He's almost become season critical <laughs> just because of what he gives to the team in terms of it just changes the whole pressing from the front dynamic. And I, I think I think if we can get Maeda back on the left and Jakimakis back, I don't think their defenders would find that comfortable at all. In fact, you know they tore they tore them to shreds. The pair of them. At Celtic Park, so I think if we get those two back, I'm feeling I'm feeling comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but then I was feeling comfortable on Saturday as well. So hey, take yeah. read, into that, read into that what you want. <laughs> Rio Hatate had a few interesting comments um, <clears throat> that were translated, and basically he's feeling emotionally and physically exhausted at this point in time. He's already played a full season. 
not the best game at the weekend, James. One thing I mentioned to Tino was we could potentially start with Turnbull. Well, not his best. We'll say not his best. Uh, Turnbull, we could potentially start with a midfield of Turnbull, Rogic, and McGregor with Kyogo up front, which would be a throwback to almost September time. Yeah, I, I wrote a piece this week. I to me, it would be crazy if uh, Matt O'Reilly is not. You know, as we can, as uh, Alan and I continue his fan club, um, I, I don't see how O'Reilly is not a, a locked-in starter for the remaining five games, or that he should be, assuming that he's fit. Um, who populates that second? position whether it's um near baton comes in at six and you bump mcgregor forward you play turnbull you play you know that's probably one of those two would probably be my preference um or even hatate in there um i i just think o'reilly makes such a difference but um yeah so i, I i'm i'm well let me go over the the linear world and then I'm going to mention something that makes my nonlinear brain and paranoia uh, think that this weekend is paramount, this game. So who knows how this game's going to go? In the linear world, Celtic are over a 90% favorite to win the league now. So if you run any kind of reasonable model, um, you know, like a 538s predictive model, that kind of thing. Uh, again, these are all linear models. Um Looking at Ross County this season, uh, particularly since the winter break, they've vastly overperformed their underlying performance metrics. Um, and uh, so they could be due for, you know, not hitting the 30-yard shot kind of game. Uh, so th- they could be due for a reversion. So that's in, that's in the linear world as well. So when I look at all that and the points that Alan mentioned, this really should be – um, a good matchup for us outside of the fact that, you know, kind of qualitatively, it's probably the third um, worst fixture of the five, meaning that uh, you would obviously say Rangers first and then probably hearts, even though it's at home uh, and then probably going up to Dingwall would be third. And I would argue, meaning that, you know, I'm pretty confident against uh, Motherwell and Dundee United, all thing, all the things being equal. So that that's the linear world should be really, really confident, not only for this week, but the league. My nonlinear paranoia um, has to do with injuries, fitness, and this is where I revert back to what happened on Sunday. And um, because I'm a masochist, I went back and I looked at Ann's first season at Marinos. And I looked at his um, most populated season of games at Marinos, which was when they qualified for the – um, Champions League in in Asia, um, and I went back and I looked. And I'd, I'd written an article about this back in December, looking at injuries, and I looked at Bielsa's first season at Leeds because these were the seasons that I kind of looked at. Um, and uh, uh, Ange's first year at Marinos, they went one and four in their last five. Uh, in the year where they were. Uh, competing in the Champions League in Asia, they went one and four in their last five, and uh, Bielsa went one, three, and one, and in, in his last five in that first season at Leeds. And the reason why I go through all of this is, um, we've been talking about these injury issues 
and the cumulative effect of the style of play all season. And we saw evidence of that once again on Sunday, I would argue. Uh, if we're getting more injuries now, um, uh, again, that was what a rash of late injuries hit leads in that season for Bielsa. Um, now, the difference between those analogs is that we're way better than our opposition than the relative teams were. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah. You know, so again, I'm not saying that I'm taking 90% down to 50 50 coin flip. That would be ridiculous. I'm just saying that I think this, uh, this weekend's game uh, is really important, obviously, but I, I would say it's important in the sense that, you know, if we do not win this game, I will officially get nervous. Um, and particularly if it's accompanied by some of these other issues, a compounding of the red flags that started to show up the last couple of weeks, Jack is getting hurt, um, you know, more of these soft tissue injuries coming back again. You know, we kind of thought hopefully we were out of this <laughs> uh, issue uh, because of the increase of depth coming out of the window and uh, maybe dropping back on uh, twice a week playing but we're seeing it it's rear its ugly head again here. Um, so that that's, that's where I have concern is that we, you know, let's say Carter, I you know we don't know. We'll find out more this week, but if Carter Vickers is out, you know, if, if Duranovich is out and Carter Vickers is out, <laughs> uh, you know, those kind of situations and we, for whatever reason, however the game turns out, we end up with a draw on Sunday, you know, that that's where you start getting a, you know, a, a, a sequencing of events that would make me nervous. Uh, so right now it's theoretical, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not confident or that we shouldn't be confident. It's just, I can see a pathway here. If, if it was going to go bad, that's probably how it's going to happen would be my thinking. Hmm. Anything else in this game to look out for before we finish up then? I, did, I mean, just I got a little nod that you're, we might not see Juranovic. I think he went off with what looked like a soft tissue injury. We he looked the worst. Of the th- yeah, we, uh, yeah, we may not see him again uh, for the last five games. I believe Carter Vickers, Yakimakis, and Rolston are all are all good to go. Good. That's my understanding. Could be wrong. Good. Okay. Excellent. Well, well, she we we shall wait and see. Just for the podcast listeners and for those on YouTube, if you're getting confused. I have edited this part with the Ross County in with the Rangers game. So that is the one podcast. You're getting a double huddle breakdown special. It was supposed to come earlier on this week. So I've had to do a bit of a chopping. So this is the Rangers review and the Ross County preview. And there is a separate podcast and video, which should be live on the channel on Friday, which will be our picks for the player of the year, young player of the year and transfer of the year as well. So if you want to get that, you can get them on our podcasts in iTunes and Spotify or on the YouTube channel as well at Breakdown Inc. So you can subscribe there if you want to get all these. Alan, James, it's been a bumper day on a pretty depressing week, but you've managed to cheer up, uh, cheer my spirits up over the last couple of days. So uh, thank you for that, as always. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. And thank you to you for listening as well. We'll be back again with some more huddle breakdown next week until then we'll chat to you later good luck planning for your next trip 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.